0: It does sound easy when we think about asking questions, like anyone can ask questions, it sounds easy.
1: Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to notes of design to help support our mission spread knowledge We have a very special guest on today's episode. Let's welcome Anna Santos who is a UX and CRO consultant Anna had worked with companies like Envato, Google, Growth Mentor, European Innovation Academy and Springboard Apart from this, Anna also evangelized design by teaching and mentoring people over Instagram. On this episode Anna had shared deep insights on what exactly are user interviews along with these Anna also shared her techniques of how to conduct an effective user interviews so that you can solve the right user problem. We also discussed on how interviews plays a very major role in throughout the product cycle, along with some ethical practices of conducting user interviews. So hope you guys enjoy this episode. Stay tuned and happy designing everyone. Hi, Anna. Welcome to of Design. It's a pleasure hosting you today on our show.
0: Hello. Nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
1: So, Anna, how's your day going?
0: My day is going well. Thank you for asking. How's your day going?
1: Mine also went really well. Thank you, Anna. So, why don't you just give a brief about yourself to our audience out there?
0: Of course, yeah. So my name is Anna. I'm currently based in Portugal. I'm an independent UX consultant. I love to do teaching, like teaching students aspiring UX designers. That's my real passion. And I also do consulting with businesses. And my primary background was actually design. That's how I started.
1: Thank you so much, Anna. So what was your journey into design and how did you start into design? What are the tips that you want to suggest to the young audience? Of
0: course, yeah. My primary background was visual design. So that's pretty much how I started. I actually finished my degree in design Ten years ago, <laughs> time flies. flight, I had some experience working with agencies and other companies, but mostly in uh, graphic design. Then uh, from that point, I started to actually be interested more in interaction design, how people interacted with the website, how they interacted with the apps. And that's when I started to get into UX. So I started as a UX generalist, as many people are nowadays and I started as part of a different role I already had more focus on web design so my transition was a bit say smooth but it was also a different time back then so UX was still a bit of a new term not like now that everyone kind of talks about UX so it was a bit new I would say and I kind of learned in the job really but I think getting started in um, design field it helped me because I I was constantly working with the team, exchanging ideas with other people. So that was really interesting for me. And that's pretty much when I, as I got started and then I had different roles, as I always say, the first role you get in UX is probably the most difficult to land. Then after that, it gets way easier.
1: Thank you so much, Anna. So what are your tips to the young creatives out there?
0: My tips. um, So if they want to get started in UX, actually one of the easiest ways is to start right away in your current company. So if you are working in a company and you have, let's say, a UX team or design department or anyone who's doing anything in UX, you can try to offer to help and be involved. So that's probably one of the best tips. uh, Even if someone starts learning, let's say UX, but if they can't apply, it's always going to be more difficult. So if you have a chance, like let's say if you are a developer, if you are a designer, a designer is something that is a bit of more of an obvious transition. But even if you are, let's say, in customer service or in development, but you can be connected to the users somehow, then you can start right where you are, start implementing what you learn. So tip number one would be Learn and practice a lot. Tip number two, try to apply to what you are already currently doing or to the company you're currently working on. And tip number three would be really connecting with other people, like networking, learning from other professionals. That's really, really important.
1: Thank you so much, Anna, for such detailed great tips that our listeners can take a great benefit of. So let's begin today's show with the user interviews. So what exactly are user interviews and how does it help UX designers at the initial stage or at the discovery stage of the problem stage?
0: Okay, that's a great question. So user interviews are a common method of qualitative research. Qualitative research, unlike quantitative research, it's a lot about understanding deeply the users. So that's why it's so useful during the discovery phase. So we are trying to uncover patterns, motivations, and that's only really possible to deeply understand your users if you get a chance to talk to them, to observe them. So user interviews is just one of the many methods that you can use, and they can be really efficient, especially if you get the chance to do it within the context or in person, because you really get to interact with your potential users. So user interviews are Of course, everything you do when it comes to research, it needs to be aligned with the goal. So if your interviews align with um, your research goal and you are able to ask the right questions, it can be very useful during the discovery phase. And of course, when we talk about discovery phase, we are probably going to talk about something that you need to start from scratch. But even if you are evaluating an existing product, let's say, Uh, User interviews can also be useful. So, not just when you are starting something from scratch, but also when you are evaluating. current app or anything that you are your company anything that is already existing as well
1: thank you Anna adding on to that I would say like user interviews are really helpful while the app is all done and you test it for the usability testing and all we could also implement it over there to get some great results
0: exactly yes and that's another interesting thing that you can do so user interviews don't always need to be isolated one thing that you can do is to combine them with usability testing it's very Interesting to even do a post interview if you have the chance, or even incorporate post task questions, and you get that added benefit from really understanding your users.
1: Thank you so much, Anna. So, I would love to know what are the effective ways of conducting a user interview that you could explain with a few examples?
0: Yeah, sure. So, the first thing is that in order to conduct a user interview, you really need to be interacting face-to-face with your participants. So of course you can do it remotely because nowadays it's possible to have a video shot and interact with the person. It's always recommended to do in person if possible, but it's always possible to do it remotely as well. One thing that you should do before even starting to plan your interview is to craft your research plan. So your research plan needs to be very clear on what you are trying to achieve with your research. So what is the research goal? What are the research questions? And when I say research questions, I'm not talking about interview questions. I'm talking about what you want to find, what is the information you want to find about these participants, this target audience. You also need to make sure you know what are the type of users you are going to interview, like how to screen them, how to filter. And in UX, is not just about, for example, when we think about marketing personas, we think a lot about demographics, but UX is more than that. So when we screen participants, we need to make sure that we know the exact criteria. For example, we might need to filter participants based on behavior. That's what I call behavior-based criteria. So that's something really important to get your research plan very clear and have objective criteria not only because you need to recruit these people, but also because you need to communicate with your team and your team needs to understand exactly what the types of people you are trying to interview, you are trying to find more of. Are they existing users? Are they potential users? Are they a specific target audience? Are they users that a specific behavior on site? So this needs to be very, very clear on your research plan. So once that is aligned, the next step, is working on the interview script. And the interview script is something very, very important as well, because it, it does sound easy when we think about asking questions, like anyone can ask questions. It sounds easy. That's why interview is such a popular research method, because I think there's that misconception that anyone can do it. And I think that anyone can start doing it. But in order. to to get accurate information it does involve some practice some expertise some experience as well some knowledge so there are a few things that I can I can say about questions as well but some of the common mistakes I see during interviews is asking for example what people want that can be a very complex topic but basically ask this question because we are trying to predict future behavior so that's just just one example of the many biases that can happen if we ask the wrong questions. So that's one thing that is important in user interviews. So have the right research plan, ask the right questions, not only the questions that align with our research plan, but also the questions that allow us to actually get the most accurate information as possible. And then during the interview, it's also important to connect with the participant to avoid hinting or giving our own opinion. We really need to avoid leading questions. So it's really important for us to be completely unbiased and also to allow the participant to talk as much as they can. So uh, this is actually something that can be very difficult because we really need to encourage people to talk. Yes, and of course, try to record, not never forgetting the legal uh, details, of course, like permission to record, always making sure we have the transcript, the notes. But basically, that's the main things to take into consideration before starting
1: an interview. Thank you so much, Anna, for giving us such great insights on conducting an effective user interview. So on this point, like I would like to add this thing that it's really great to build a rapport with the user out there so that he also feels very much comfortable sharing the details and other things, right?
0: Exactly. Yes. So the... When we conduct an interview, it's of course, if it's in person, it's easier to make the user feel comfortable, but we we don't know these people and it's not easy for everyone to open up. When it comes to recording, and this can also be something that it could interfere, for example some people might not be comfortable knowing that someone is recording them so it's very important to be very very clear like telling them you know this data is not going to be shared with anyone else this video is just going to be used internally so being very transparent about it it's really important
1: exactly anna thank you so much anna so now let's discuss on the limitation parts of user interviews
0: Of course, yeah. Um, So the limitations is that when it comes to user interviews, this is a method that mostly measures what we would call attitude. So attitude is based on someone's thoughts and belief. The other day, I was actually doing a presentation and I gave this example, which I think is easy to understand. So for example, attitude would be saying, I am scared of spiders, for example. This is my thought, right? This is my belief. And behavior would be... Me seeing a spider and then running or screaming, for example. So, this is the difference between attitude and behavior. And what happens with interviews, so we are not measuring directly behavior. There are some ways that we can get to understand some of the behavior, but we are not measuring directly. So, any information we get from the interview is based on someone's thoughts. So, for example, the most accurate information I can get from behavior during an interview would be past behavior because that's something that already happened. So that's another reason why in the beginning I said, let's not ask what people want. Let's not ask what people would do. And this is something that many beginners do in the beginning. Like they ask questions like, how much do you think you would pay? Or what do you think you would do if this app existed? And that's Basically trying to predict behavior, which is something that is this psychology, basically, like we cannot do that as honest as we want to be. We cannot really predict our own behavior. That's our own limitation as human beings. So that's an issue. Yeah, so that's that's a big issue when it comes to interviews. And the other issue is that it's uh, self-rate, self-reported data. So this means that we are trusting what someone else is telling us. And usually, I mean, everyone is happy to collaborate and everything. But you need to also understand there are biases. For example, social desirability bias. For example, when participant is telling us things that we want to hear or they think we want to hear. So you know, there are many limitations around being the participant, reporting their own thoughts, And of course, being a qualitative method and this is a limitation of every qualitative method, is that it's going to be very subjective when it comes to interpretation. So, for example, if me, I am analysing the data, I'm not just going to analyse the answers. I'm going to pay attention to how the participant is talking, the gestures, uh, their expressions. So all of that is based on interpretation. So if I am the only one interpreting that data, Is going to be a bit subjective and there's also possibility of researcher bias. So those are some of the limitations.
1: Thank you so much, Anna. So on a concluding note, if you could recommend any of your three favorite reads to our listeners out there.
0: Of course, yeah. So I love so many different books, but these three, I think um, they could be really interesting. Uh, one of them is called The User Experience, A Team of One. So I really like this book uh, because it's very relatable. I talked about this the other day. It's very relatable to any designer that is doing solo work on their own. So how to actually do all these things that I mentioned, do research, include a team, convince the the team and the business to do research. So I think it's a very, very useful and practical, actionable book and not many people talk about it. So the user experience team of one. Another book I think Everyone should read, probably pretty much everyone is familiar with the method, is Lean UX. And this is because many people now hiring for UX designers, they are startups and the environment is lean or agile. And Lean UX is a very interesting method that you can combine with other methods as well. So if we compare a bit, uh i would say design thinking i would say that it's pretty much so the core like the core of the process it has many things in common but if you think about linux it focuses a lot more on quantitative and on metrics and i think both are important i think we really need to learn to measure user experience we really need to know uh, when is a project successful how can we actually measure uh, the success and the impact of UX. So that's a book. I think it's interesting. When UX, I'm going to probably now recommend a classic, uh, the Design of Everyday Things, because I do think it's a book everyone should read, and also to remind us that uh, user experience being, um, actually improving people's lives through products is not just about digital products. So I think it's a good book for everyone.
1: Thank you so much, Anna. So on a concluding note, like any life advice that you want to give to the designers out there, like anything apart from design also it's fine, but anything like a career advice or a life advice that you want to talk about? Yeah,
0: so uh, tip I have for everyone really is to get your team on board as much as possible. Like no matter which type of company you are working for, if you have a small UX team, if you don't have UX team at all, you still have people that are not designers. Involve non-designers in the process as much as possible because people need to empathize with the users. And it's really, really difficult to do that if you are working on your own and you're not sharing, like you're not sharing that interaction with the user. So if you are the only person who is doing this work, who is designing the personas, who is doing the research on their own, apart from all these biases that can happen, you're also not promoting empathy within your team. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes when it comes to UX. I see Some people complain a lot that um, nobody cares about the users, but how can someone care about the users if they have never actually seen the users or interact with the users? So that's my main uh, tip. Yeah, like get your team, non-designers, everyone on board as much as possible and get them involved through the process.
1: Thank you so much, Anna, for your time and joining us this Mission Spread Knowledge. We really appreciate your great effort over this.
0: Of course, no worries. Thank you so much for having me here. My pleasure.